Welcome to the Swift Healthcare video podcast, exploring the intersection of healthcare and leadership hosted by Dr. Patrick Swift. SwiftHealthcare.com is your resource for healthcare professionals to find coaching and consulting to engage, restore, and transform yourself and your organization. And now here's your host, Dr. Patrick Swift. Welcome, folks, to the Swift Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Patrick Swift, where we explore the intersection of healthcare and leadership. And I am delighted that we have as our guest on the show, Dr. Dyke Drummond. Dyke, welcome to the show. Hey, Patrick. Delighted you're here. Uh, Folks, let me tell you about Dyke. This master physician, facilitator, executive coach, clinician um, is incredibly (laughs) trained, and I got to share with you his bio. Listen to this. Dr. Dyke Drummond is a Mayo-trained family practice physician, burnout survivor, I think we can all relate to that, executive coach and founder of thehappymd.com. He said twice burnout. He teaches simple methods to lower stress, build more life balance, and a more ideal practice. And he has has over 3,000 hours of physician coaching experience. That's a lot of hours. And since 2010, he's been delivering live burnout prevention training to over 40,000 physicians on behalf of 175 corporate clients and associations on four continents. So uh, welcome to the Swift Healthcare Podcast, Dr. Dyke Drummond. Right on. Great to be here. I think we're probably, we're probably going to talk about burnout, right? I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> well, what we got on the agenda here, let's talk about physician burnout given the depth and breadth of your experience and talking about some best practices and perspectives. Well, it's it's not a question of a master. It's that um, a lot of people will um, say, I know, I know when I'm burning and when I'm not, but what they're actually talking about is exhaustion and exhaustion is just one symptom of burnout. So let's go, let's just do a little classic uh, description of the three cardinal symptoms of burnout and um, uh, just go through it really quick. So if you go back to Christina Maslach's work that started in the 1970s, she was uh, studying employee engagement in large non-medical employers in the Bay Area, San Francisco. She's what's called a clinical, no, she's called a um, industrial psychologist. And uh, they found engagement and engagement didn't appear to have a physical penalty that you would pay for loving your work. But they also found engagement's dark twin, burnout. And they found the more over on the burnout side of the scale you were, the more it was likely to affect your physical health and it more became portable and you would carry it home with you and it would affect your relationships at home. And they considered engagement and burnout to be opposites of one another. So if you think about things that cause you to engage, help prevent burnout, things that decrease your engagement, help promote burnout. Three symptoms, her Maslach burnout inventory has 22 questions, but there's only three scales they measure you on. Number one, exhaustion, physical and emotional exhaustion. And a little voice cue that you're there is when the little voice in your head says, I'm not sure how much longer I can keep going like this. And all doctors have said that. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the, uh, the first symptom of, of burnout is something that everybody is familiar with is because all doctors have also, excuse me, all parents have also said that as well. And the reason that doctors and parents get themselves in situations where they say, I'm not sure how much longer I can keep going like this is because we put other people first. We put the patient first in our professional role. We put our children first in our parenting role. Heaven forbid you're a doctor who's a parent, right? Or how about a doctor who's a a parent of six kids or a special need kid or a, a pair of twins and driver's ed? 
but physical and emotional exhaustion is just symptom number one. Number two, she called depersonalization, but it look, what it looks like is cynical, sarcastic. Another word for it is compassion fatigue. Um, some people, and, and again, one of the ways that you do this is to vent to, a, to a, a, a colleague or vent in a meeting or something like that. What I can tell you is gallows humor is frequent, but if you actually have to vent off some steam in order to go back and see patients again, that's clearly the second symptom of burnout. And what I also notice doctors will do is they'll be upset about something that's not going right at work. And almost always a doctor's concern is absolutely valid. And they'll go find someone to complain to and to vent to and pound the table to, and they'll blow off just enough steam that it makes them perfectly capable of walking back onto their ward or their wing or their service and continuing to do the same thing over and over again. They walk right back into Einstein's insanity trap. Mm -hmm. So we got exhaustion, cynical and sarcastic. Last one is, she called it lack of efficacy, but what it sounds like in your head is what's the use? My work's not really serving a purpose here. So if you find yourself not only exhausted, but also cynical, sarcastic, bitter, um, what's the use? Those are the three symptoms of burnout. Mm. And you really know you're there. You really know you're there when you go into survival mode. And survival mode goes something like this. You go to bed at night praying that you'll feel better in the morning. And you wake up and you aren't. And so a little voice in your head says, sometimes, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get hit by a car on the way to work and I won't have to see patients today. And uh, I hear that all the time and people think it's a joke. It's not a, a joke. joke. So a if joke. you hear somebody say that, grab them, hug them, hold them, hold up the mirror, help them get some help, take some time off, whatever you need. If you hear that in your own head, that should be an enormous wake up call. Cause you know what? I've never yet met somebody who then got hit by a car and didn't have to see patients that day. Okay. So uh, yeah. that's when you're in survival mode, you put your head down, you just grind it out to the end of the day so you can drag your sorry ass home and hopefully feel better in the morning. Yeah. The challenge yeah. is the challenge is that it, you don't have to have all three symptoms for it to affect your ability to be a good doctor. Because all the studies that have done around burnout, where they're using the Maslach burnout inventory or some other survey to measure doctors, their criteria is suffering from at least one symptom of burnout. So all you need is one symptom What's the most common symptom of burnout? Of the three I just mentioned, which one's most common? Exhaustion. So have you been really super tired? It super affects your ability to take care of your patients because just one symptom of burnout is what's linked with lower patient satisfaction, lower quality, higher medical error rates, right? Drugs, alcohol, suicide is linked with just a single symptom. So it's, it's, it's really important that we create environments at work and we take care of ourselves at home so that we can bring our A game every day. Otherwise I, we can't make the difference we wanna make. Yeah, and you, you mentioned suicide, approximately three to 400 physicians just in the US alone uh, take that's their own lives. That's a bogus number. And, and that's a, a, a number I can refer to and I appreciate your saying it's bogus too. Any loss of life secondary to suicide by anyone, but especially as we're focusing on physicians, it's a tragedy. And it's a reality. So I, I, what you're speaking to, you spoke also about venting and expressing that um, in the workplace. But I also want to acknowledge that, and I think you'd agree with me, that it's not just in the workplace, but a physician going home and venting to a loved one and the impact that has on their life uh, and the quality of their life and then the guilt associated with that. It's all part of this syndrome 
reality, um, whether you're at the beginning of it or at the bottom of it, it's a truth along the path. And what you just share with us is profound because it really pulls it all together from the, from the academic medical center perspective, academic research, to the reality of how it's impacting lives. So I want to give you a second to comment on the bogus nature of the data on physician suicide. And then I want to ask you about how do we prevent burnout with our, with our physicians? But please, let's talk about those metrics. Well, and as you just said, one of the features of burnout is its portability. So it starts to co follow you around. I liken it to the Charlie Brown cartoons. You remember the character Pigpen? Always had that Love little it. cloud of dirt. Yeah, burnout's like that. So you drag it home and it affects your relationship with your spouse and your, or your partner and your kids. You drag it into your leadership and it affects your relationship with your boss. You bet. I think everybody, everybody who looks at physician suicide numbers knows they're underreported. There's a whole bunch Absolutely. of, there's so much, a whole bunch of shame and guilt and uh, not wanting the story to get out that, that yeah. we can say whatever we want about physician suicide rates, but the statistics we do have on bad numbers show that physicians commit suicide twice as often, whether you're a man or a woman, twice mm -hmm. as often than the general population. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what and do you do about it? there are things we can do. There are things we can do about it. So um, well, the let's most talk about that. The most important thing that you can do since you can't prevent all suicides, two reasons. The second of our prime directives is never show weakness. So we're very good at hiding when we're suffering or struggling. The shame and guilt around that is overwhelming. So a lot of people suffer in silence and yeah. you, never know, you never know that they're having trouble until they wind up dead. And we're doctors. So we know the anatomy and the physiology, we kill each other with great efficiency. What we can do is reach out to our colleagues who are in distress. So you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you know at least one person you're worried about, right? Have you talked to them? Probably not, because you don't want to break the code of silence that's installed in residency. But let me just give you a little script that will work, right? If your heart's big enough that you want to reach out, and I urge you to, when you see somebody who's head down and in survival mode at work, find a quiet moment when the two of you can be alone. And the thing that you need to do is take your doctor hat off. Now, if you could see me right now, I'm putting my hand on my head and miming that I'm taking a hat off. So it could go like this. Hey, Patrick, have you got a second? And you Absolutely. Would say, What's going on? Hey, before we, but I, I, I'm glad that we've had this chance to connect and I just want you to know I'm taking my doctor hat off now. This is just you and me heart to heart. I've been watching you brother and I'm concerned. How are you doing? And 99 times out of hundred, you're gonna say, fine, get away from me, leave me alone. But you think you, there's nothing wrong with it. There's, there's nothing to see here, right? But you know what? You reaching out, and giving that message, you have to expect intense denial, but you reaching out and give you, giving that message is a message of support they probably never gotten before. So even though you were rejected, you sent them a couple of different messages. Number one, I got your back. Number two, I'm concerned. Number three, I'm a safe place. So what I want you to do if that person shoots you down the first time is just know it's their programming. It's not them, it's their programming. And yeah, Dyke, I mean, what if someone, what if someone says, what, what, I'm fine, leave me alone. What if, what if he, she, or they say Go to you, back. I'm fine, leave me alone. What do you, what do you do? As long as you're still concerned about them, you go back in a couple of weeks and you just do the same thing. Patrick, hey, taking the hat off again, brother. I'm here for you. If you, if you need to talk and you want to talk, I'm a safe place. I'm still watching you and you know, I, I'm, it seems to me like you're under some stress and yeah. I, don't want, I don't want that to fester. So I'm ready to talk whenever you are. And that's just not something you're gonna learn in your training because you know, we're all learned to be lone, lone wolves and warriors. Now, 
burnout, preventing burnout, you have to know a couple of things. You have to pop a couple of myths. So listen carefully. Burnout's not a problem. Burnout doesn't meet the definition criteria of the word problem. Therefore, burnout does not have a solution. You can prevent it. You can address it. You just can't solve it. Let me just walk you through that. The word problem comes from mathematics. And problems have a definition. A problem has a solution. And if I apply a solution to a problem, what should happen to the problem, Patrick? It should be an outcome. It should go. It should go away. So just work with me here. Two plus two is what? Two plus two is what? Four. I'm done with that one. I can Uh throw it away. It's finished. I don't have to address that one again. Eight plus eight is what? 16. 16. Solution to burnout is what? Well, so we we need that solution. It's it's a little more complicated than that, isn't it? Yeah. Now, actually, burnout. I agree with you. I agree with you that, that there's that myth there. And there's a denial of the problem. Uh, having been a hospital CEO and been responsible for medical staff and patients and patient safety and having adverse outcomes and all the challenges we're facing in all our different roles, burnout is this amorphous challenge that is sapping our souls. The biggest problem with trying to address burnout is that leaders want you to solve the problem. So they're blowing smoke. They're smoking something because you can't address burnout by looking for a solution. Burnout is clearly, there's not one thing you can do one time that makes it so you never have to worry about burnout again. Burnout is clearly a dilemma, a never ending balancing act it is. where you're trying, to, you're trying to limit your drain and you're trying to increase your recharge so you maintain a positive energy balance. Yeah. So burnout's a dilemma, not a problem. You can't solve it. You can use a, another S word to address it successfully. That's a strategy. So everybody needs their own burnout prevention strategy. Difference between solution and strategy is strategy has more than one step. So you have a handful of things. Usually it's just three or four things that you do to maintain your energy, to be efficient and and have things work smoothly at work as much as possible since you're within other people's systems. And then taking care of yourself when you're not at work so you can recharge your energy. Everybody has a personal strategy. Anytime I see a bunch of doctors working for an organization, it's a classic canary in a coal mine. So... The simplest way to prevent burnout inside a healthcare organization that employs doctors, and I'm Uh I'm using that example because that's the majority of physicians in America are employees, is you got a canary in a coal mine. Every canary needs their own personal strategy. Somebody has got to be working the mine to make sure the mine is as, as smooth and as supportive a culture as possible. So it's a pair of strategies working simultaneously and in parallel. The interesting thing is, the first objective of the coal mine strategy is to complete the canaries' medical education so they know how to defend themselves. So you have to honor the complexity of the situation when you have doctors working inside a healthcare delivery organization. Yeah. Well, I think getting to your point about it, there's not a solution. It's, it's about implementing a strategy, whether you're a physician or right. a clinician or a nurse or whatever specialty, but focusing on physicians, recognizing that you just got to have a strategy. Um, and if you don't have a strategy, get some help. Well, and it, it's more like a teeter-totter, right? So what I do what I do is I set myself in a position on the web to uh, be available for folks if they want to talk about their situation oh, yeah. and their practice isn't going the way that they would like. Yeah. So what I work with people on doing is not simply coping with their current reality, but developing a more ideal practice. So what I tell people, and this is another thing that doctors are never asked, is I say, hey... In the last couple of weeks, take a breath and just imagine the last couple of weeks of your practice 
if I was to give you a zero to 10 scale and ask how satisfied are you? What's your satisfaction level with your current practice? You know, what number would you give it? Most of the time they just look at me with their mouth open because nobody's ever asked them that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what's your number? And, and close your eyes and open them and look at that number and say, how satisfied are you with that? That's your satisfaction score. Do you want it to be higher? Because you got here unconsciously, you're just a ball of habits at work, right? You are programmed yeah. to, to function yeah. in the way that your residency program thought that they wanted the doctors to be. And you're stuffed into a system that you don't control and you're, you're managing that as best as possible. But there's always wiggle room if you focus not on the things that you're running away from, not on the things that you want to avoid, not on the problems, but focus on what you want to have in your career. Yeah. And nobody builds their career that way. We're always compensating for stressful conditions. And it doesn't have to be that way as soon as you're out of your residency education. Now in residency, you got to do whatever they say or you won't graduate. But once you're out in practice, you actually have the keys to the kingdom. It's just that you're a beat down resident graduate at that point. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like I, I think that part of this, the, the zeitgeist, the shift, especially with COVID, is people recognizing that we're not attacking, um, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're recognizing a problem in healthcare culture Right. But we're not saying it's all bad, so throw it all away. We're advocating for moving forward in a, a culture where there is uh, heart um, and well-being, as well as developing subject matter expertise and the ability to do amazing things as, as healthcare providers, right? I just remember that when a person is at that fork in the road, the light worker's fork in the road, where you're making the decision of whether to be a doctor or do anything else, they don't know what they're getting into. They have no idea what the, what's going to happen for the next seven to 16 years. And they're mm. still human beings. Yeah. So, so let's not beat the human out of them. Yeah. Because in practice, at the end of the survival contest of the medical education system, it's their humanity and their skills mm. that will make them a good doctor. And mm. so uh, not, yeah. an here, here. Not, an, not an automaton, it's our humanity and our skills. That's why if you have somebody who has that kind of balance, usually it's on the far side of at least one episode of burnout, by mm -hmm. the way, that's where mm -hmm. wisdom comes from. Mm -hmm. So if you have somebody who has heart and skill, it's impossible to replace them with AI. Yeah, but if all they are beautiful. is a technician, you're, you're a robot meat at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it might as well be AI. So we, we, need our, we need our physicians with their hearts. So let me ask you this question. Now, if you, were standing, if you were standing at the top of the world and had the attention of all the healthcare providers, the physicians, the staff, the leadership, all the people who work in healthcare, if you in one brief moment had the attention of all the healthcare folks around the planet for a brief moment, what would you say to them, Dyke? In today's modern industrial healthcare delivery system, especially in the States, the thing that's missing is the acknowledgement that the task of leadership is to care for the workers. The task of leadership is to care for the physicians and staff. And the person who says it best is Simon Sinek when he says, leadership is not about being in charge. It's about caring for those who are in our charge. And so 
the abuses and the stupid systems and the kerfuffles that come up that burn doctors out very, very often are because the leadership is also focused on the patient. And when everybody points to the patient, there's only one possible outcome, and that's 50% burnout rates in the physician population. Beautifully said. And folks, we didn't plan this, uh, Dyke's answer, but I want to encourage folks to tune in to another segment in which we are talking. This episode is about physician burnout. We are going to have another episode, physician leadership. And what you just said dovetails right in how physicians can be leaders and how to lead and serve physicians. So I'm looking forward to uh, um, look. I want to encourage folks to check that that segment out as well. Dyke, thank you so much for being part of the show. And I want to ask you, if people are interested in following up with you, how can they find you? How can they follow up with you? Well, 10 years ago, I founded my website. It's called The Happy MD, T-H-E on the front, please. If you leave the the off the front, you end up at a porn site. So please, The Happy (laughs) MD. Okay. We got got 350 blog posts there and a whole bunch of free materials. And uh, if you want to talk to me about your organization, I'm available all the time. Outstanding. Dr. Drummond, thank you, Dyke, so much for being on the Swift Healthcare Podcast. It's uh, It's a true honor. Thank you. Right on, Patrick. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, or leave a review about the show on your favorite platform and learn how to support the podcast as a patron at swifthealthcare.com, where you can also find the show notes and all of our episodes. Thanks for joining us.